0: How are y'all doing today? Everybody good? Why don't you turn around and tell your neighbors it's good to see you this morning, amen? Would y'all, would y'all like to start with a joke this morning? I gotta I got hear some arousing response, because I might get in trouble for this one. Oh, thank you. That, see, that's what happens when I wear a suit, amen. I'm gonna start with a joke, okay? Y'all ready? There was a Jewish rabbi... Catholic priest, Pentecostal preacher. They all lived in a city that had a lot of bears. They had a bear problem. So they thought, why don't we try to convert the bears? So they had a contest to see who could convert the bear, convert a bear the fastest. So the priest and the Pentecostal preacher heard that their rabbi friend was in the hospital from a bear attack. So they said, we better go to the hospital to find out what happened. So they go to the hospital and they visit their Jewish rabbi friend and they said, what happened? Were you trying to convert a bear? And he said, yes, I was. He said, and I just have one suggestion. Don't try to start with circumcision. <laughs> see, I didn't tell that one on Family Worship Sunday because, you know, I didn't want to tell that one. Yeah, don't try to start with that. I just cracked up. Somebody told me that one this morning. Amen. Good to see everybody today. This is our last message in our Be My Neighbor series. And uh, last week I preached a sermon called Love My Enemies, and I felt like the topic needed to be a two-part sermon, and our text was Luke chapter 6, and we learned straight from the words of Jesus how to love our enemies. Now just in case you weren't here last week, let me just give you a quick recap of the main points before we go into today's message. Uh, Number one, we mentioned we love our enemies by our actions. Everybody say, do good. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, it says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Second point we mentioned was, We love our enemies by our words. We do what? We bless them. Amen. Luke chapter 6, verse 28 says, Bless those who curse you. Verse 3 said, I'm, I'm sorry, point 3 was, We love our enemies by our prayers, we pray for them. Luke 6.28 again says, pray for those who hurt you. The fourth thing we mentioned was we love our enemies by sharing generously. We give to them. Luke 9, uh, Luke 6.29 said, if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Fifth point we mentioned was we love our enemies by living the golden rule, and that was Luke 631, do to others as you would like them to do to you, and we explored the golden rule in depth two weeks ago. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen to that message on the website or the podcast. By the way, we do have a Life Church podcast. If you're into that, you can download the sermons every week. Listen to them at your convenience. And then the last point that I mentioned last week is the one that I want to preach about today. And that is we love our enemies by forgiving them. Amen. Everybody say forgiving them. See, you can never truly learn to love your enemies until you can learn to forgive them. Isn't that right? And for today's message, I want to mention right up front that I'm taking much of my sermon content from one of our studies in our Freedom Group material. And it was so good, I wanted all of us to get exposed to that today. And by the way, if you're wondering what a freedom group is, in the winter semester in January, we're going to be offering our freedom groups to anybody who wants to take them, and you'll hear more about those later. My message today is love through forgiveness. Love through forgiveness. Could we pray before we jump into this subject? Because this is not an easy subject. And I think we all ought to open up our hearts right now and just ask the Word of God to speak to us. Is that all right? Why don't we do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just want to say thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. I just pray that we could open up our hearts to receive your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. You see, all around us we see and it's very evident and clear that we live in a fallen world, don't we? And because of this, we face the realities of dealing with hurt and dealing with offense probably on a pretty regular basis. There's an old nursery rhyme that probably could not be further from the truth. And the words go like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Everybody finish it with me. But words will never hurt me, right? How many of you know that that? is baloney, (laughs) right? That could not be further from the truth. Sticks and stones may break my nose, but words will never harm me. It's not true. It's not accurate. Because the words and deeds of others can wound us to our very core in very real and very heartbreaking ways. Things like neglect, abuse, betrayal by others as well as Cruel remarks or being bullied can cause bitterness and and resentment to fill our hearts. And oftentimes when this happens, and it's usually unintentionally, we can begin to harbor unforgiveness or bitterness. Now, if you want to know where your enemies come from, it comes from the things I'm talking about right here, the people that hurt us or hurt those that we love with their words Or their actions. I said it last week. Some of us may not be comfortable with the notion of being a Christian and having enemies. You might not want to use that terminology. But the reality is, all of us have people in our lives that either in the past or maybe even in the recent past or present have hurt us with words or deeds or things uh, that they've done to our family members. Amen. And when that happens, unforgiveness can become like an arrow that is dipped in poison and stabs us right in the heart. The offense begins to cut through our defenses, and it hurts us not only in the moment, but the truth is the aftermath of that hurt can become a poison of unforgiveness that remains long after the offense has taken place, right? Long after the deed is done, long after the words have been said, that offense lives on in our hearts. Unforgiveness can seep into our lives and haunt our thoughts and cloud our vision. And if we're not careful, even sabotage our futures. If you leave it unchecked, unforgiveness can eventually cripple our ability to live and to love or to be loved. Someone once said this, harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Boy, that's the truth. You know, and it does much greater harm to us than the person that we refuse to forgive. Floyd Thomas, one of the elders in our church, I see him in the back, back there. He said this in our men's group a few weeks ago, and I loved what he said. I wrote it down. It said, he said, Hate destroys more the vessel in which it is stored than the object on which it is poured. Let me say that again. Hate destroys more the vessel in which it is stored than the object on which it is poured. That is so true. An offense is the bait of Satan, and he uses it to lure us into bondage. An offense is something that we consider to be a violation of what we think to be right or fair. The word offense comes from the Greek word scandalon, which means the bait, in Old Testament times, when someone wanted to trap an animal, they would cover a pit with branches and, and place a piece of flesh or bait or on, on top of the branches in order to lure the animal into a trap. And Satan usually often will use offenses as a bait to lure us into the trap of unforgiveness and bondage. Amen. And by holding on to an offense or a hurt or a grievance, you see, we think we're trapping the person that hurt us, but in reality, we are the ones who are being trapped. Amen. Think about, for an example, a city that's surrounded by walls. What's the purpose of the walls? To protect the city. And so sometimes we try to use the same kind of thinking to protect ourselves, and we build walls around our hearts. And the logic is this, people that might have hurt us once, we're not going to allow them to do it again. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? But you see, what works to protect a city does not work the same way for human hearts of flesh. Amen. When you build a wall around your heart to keep out the bad stuff, you're also keeping out the good stuff. Amen. With walls around our hearts, we're not only protecting ourselves from pain and rejection, but we're protecting ourselves or blocking ourselves from experiencing love and life-giving and life-nurturing relationships. You see, unforgiveness is what creates enemies for most Christians, and it's what holds us in bondage. Now, knowing all of this, and I think most Christians know this, right? We know we're supposed to forgive, blah, 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 (laughs) right? We know we're supposed to forgive others. We know we're supposed to love our enemies. Why is it so hard for us to forgive others? Let me give you a few reasons. First of all, I think many of us have the wrong idea of forgiveness. Number one, we have the wrong idea of forgiveness. See, the reason forgiveness is so hard to do is sometimes we've got an incorrect definition of what forgiveness actually is. Amen? And can I just tell you right now, right up front, in Christianity, we have, we've really made it hard for some people to walk this path of forgiveness because I think, and, and well-intentioned, we have defined forgiveness the wrong way and we made it almost impossible for believers to actually live out forgiveness. Can y'all help me out here today? Amen? We've made it hard for people. So first of all, in order to understand what forgiveness is, let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Number one, forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. It's not minimizing the offense. Offering forgiveness to somebody who has wronged you is not saying, well, that was no big deal. It didn't really hurt or didn't hurt that long. It is not saying that what was done or said to you was right. And forgiving does not diminish what they did or what the offense was that took place in your life. Amen? See, because when you choose when you choose to forgive, you are not minimizing what they did, but instead you are choosing not to hang on to the offense because you know it is robbing you of your freedom. Amen? Come on. I'm not choosing to say nothing happened, but I'm recognizing I can't hang on to this forever because it's robbing me of my freedom. Remember what Floyd said? Hate destroys more the vessel in which it is stored than the object on which it is poured. So forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Here's another wrong idea that many of us have about forgiveness. We think that forgiveness forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Forgiveness, folks, is not forgetting what happened. What happened? I already read to you a nursery rhyme that was inaccurate. You want to know another cliche that's well-worn but inaccurate? Forgive and forget. Am I talking to some real people out there? See, because sometimes we think in order to forgive somebody, we've got to forget what has happened. And here's the reality. You may forgive, but how many of you will, will recognize it is really hard to forget things that people have done to you in your life? Come on, are there any real people out there today, amen? And truthfully, I I hate to say this, but I'm just going to be honest with you. You may never forget what has happened to you. But God wants to do something amazing in our lives. He wants to bring healing to our hearts. So that whenever we do remember these past experiences, we can do so without having to relive the pain associated with them. Hear me. You may always remember, but you don't always have to relive it. Amen. You don't have to relive it. God wants to show you how he can make all things new. You want to know another misunderstanding we have about forgiveness? Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Amen. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Now, sometimes we use reconciliation as a condition for our forgiveness. And by the way, I talked about reconciliation last week and how in many cases we need to pursue it. But hear me. Sometimes we say things like, well, when they apologize, I will forgive them. Or when things get better, I will forgive them. Or when they change, I will forgive them. And hear me, don't miss this point. When we do that, we are actually becoming a hostage to the very people who have wronged us because our freedom is up to them and not to us. Come on. you got to remember that, amen? If you're waiting on them, guess who's controlling the story? Guess who's controlling your liberty? Guess who is dictating the terms? Amen. You gotta let that sink in for a minute. Letting go of an offense also does not mean that you have to reconcile with that person. Now let me explain, because I think we've got this twisted a little bit in Christianity. That is the goal in most relationships. And that is a great goal, if at all possible. But hear me, that is not a requirement because it is not always the best thing to do, or the wisest thing to do. Romans 12, 18 gives us this counsel. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Everybody say, if it's possible. If it's possible. See, it may not be possible. It may not be wise. For example, what if they're already deceased? Or what if reconciling with someone puts you or your family in a dangerous situation? Or what if reconciling with someone opens you up to temptation or to weaknesses or to addictive patterns that you've gotten away from? Amen. Now please understand there are times when reconciliation is the right thing to do, but sometimes reconciliation is not the best choice. Did you know that scripture also says, put it back up there for me, Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Hear me. If the person that hurt you is not ready to reconcile, it is only going to cause you more pain and more disappointment when you are constantly seeking something that may not ever come to pass. Amen. Some of us have given people who have hurt us all the power in our lives. Reconciliation is a two-way street. It requires both parties in order for it to happen. And we've got to just ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. You see, if you've forgiven someone and you desire to restore the relationship, you've got to use wisdom in that process. Amen? Amen. What kind of things do you need to look for in in someone else's life if you're going to try to pursue reconciliation with them? One thing is repentance. Everybody say repentance. Turning away from wrong actions and, and going in the opposite direction. We need to see repentance in people's lives if we're going to reconcile with them. Restitution is another one. Sometimes people need to make things right if possible. And if not with you, they might need to make restitution with someone else. Also, what about rebuilding trust? It takes time to rebuild trust. Can I just throw this in for free? Some of us, we think we are entitled to trust automatically because somebody is a believer. Let me tell you something. You have to earn trust. And can I, can I go a step further? And if you have broken trust or violated covenant in, with someone in your life, you have to rebuild trust. Well, I said I was sorry. Well, great. Now you show us that you're sorry. Sorry. You live it out. You show it. You show us that you are worthy of us trusting you again, amen? Come on, that's not being legalistic. That's not being unreasonable, amen? Sometimes people need to earn our trust again. So reconciliation is great, but it's not always possible. So don't feel like in order to forgive somebody. Some of you, I'm just telling you, some of you are hung up on this point. You think if I forgive them, I've got to reconcile with them, and that's I can't do it. You don't have to do it. And if the Holy Spirit leads you later on to do that, then you and the Holy Spirit will work it out and it will happen, amen? So one reason we don't like to forgive is number one, we don't understand forgiveness. Here's another reason why we struggle to forgive. We don't think it's fair. (laughs) We just don't think it's fair. The second reason we don't want to offer forgiveness to those who've hurt us is it's not fair. I don't want to let them off the hook. Do you know what they did? Do you know what they said? Do you know how they acted? Aren't you glad God doesn't use fairness logic when he deals with us? Aren't you glad that our forgiveness is not based on our merit? Amen. Aren't you so so thankful that even though none of us deserve forgiveness, he gave it to us anyway? Hallelujah. I want you to hear an amazing story about forgiveness from the Bible. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, check this story out. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. And instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And how many of you know when you act that way, people are always watching? Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, let him get it on the screen for me. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called that servant back in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Do you see where this story is going? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Man, what a picture of how much God has forgiven us and how he wants us to in turn forgive others. Jesus told Peter that he needed to forgive multiple times a day. Amen. 490 times. That's once every three minutes. See, I don't really think that means, okay, 180 seconds from now. No, it means over and over and over and daily and daily and weekly. Can I just tell you something? You might be forgiving some people the rest of your life. You know why? Because it goes back to what I said earlier. It's not always easy to forget. And how many of you know there's always something that comes along to remind you of what so-and-so did, what so-and-so said, and just when you think you got the victory, somebody brings up something or says something or does something, and what happens? Man, you're ready to knock them upside the head again. It's like it's all happening fresh again. In this parable, the first man owed the king millions of dollars. I studied this out. I wanted to see how much debt he really had. The debt was equivalent of a year of wages for a laborer. By the way, not one laborer, 200,000 laborers. His debt was the equivalent of 200,000 years of labor. The part of the story that I wish they would have put in there, how in the world did this guy get so much debt? Man, that's what I want to know. What in the world did this guy do to get in the hole that bad? I'm going to have to ask Jesus about that one when I get to heaven. Amen. Man, what did this guy do? What, What in the world? Amen. What a debt. And then another guy comes along, and he owes him just a few thousand dollars. Now, folks, that's not chump change, by the way, right? Because if you think a few thousand dollars is chump change, feel free to give your change to this chump, amen. But, I mean, it wasn't easy, right? But this guy comes along and says, look, and you know the story. Do you see the picture? We have been forgiven so very much. That's why Jesus said we've got to love our enemies. That's why we have to forgive. Here it is. Here's your four-word tweetable sentence. You ready? The forgiven must forgive. The forgiven must forgive. Look at Ephesians 4.31. It says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Verse 32 says this, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and here it is, just as God through Christ has forgiven you you got to ask yourself, in light of all the sin for which I've been forgiven, is it possible for me to forgive those who have wronged me? In the Freedom Curriculum, they asked this question, and it was so powerful, I wanted to ask you the same question, and that was this. It said, would I trade my forgiveness from God for the right to continue to hold someone accountable for their offense toward me? Wow. Wow. When I read that question, it took my breath away. If I could trade all the forgiveness that I got from God for the ability to and the right to still hold somebody hostage for what they did to me, would I do it? We all know the answer to that. We would never do that. We would never trade what Jesus has done for us to hold somebody hostage. So we have to be willing to forgive. We struggle to forgive because, number one, we have the wrong idea about forgiveness. Number two, we don't think forgiveness is fair. And number three... Sometimes we just don't think we can do it. We struggle because we don't think we can do it. We don't necessarily think we have the power or the strength. Or sometimes if we're honest, we just don't have the desire to forgive somebody else. And folks, when you feel that way, hear me. That is the voice of the enemy trying to keep you bound. We've got to recognize and silence the voice of our adversary. Because in our own human power, we may not be strong enough to forgive those who have wronged us. But thank God, we don't have to walk through this Christian life in our own strength. Amen? Are there any spirit-filled people in this house? Amen? Can I tell you the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Spirit can help you to forgive the people that you think are unforgivable. The power of the Holy Spirit helped me as a teenager to break the bonds of addiction in my life, amen? The power of the Holy Spirit is what has helped me to turn my path from one direction to another. And the power of God's Spirit can help you forgive those who have despitefully used you, who have wrongfully hurt you, who have offended you. (coughs) Jesus said, I'm sorry, the scripture said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. See, forgiveness does not turn you into somebody's doormat. Forgiveness makes you victorious. Hallelujah. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling, amen? Uh, If you're waiting to feel like forgiving somebody, you're never gonna wanna forgive somebody. It's a choice that we have to make sometimes daily. And, you know, we like to wait until we feel like forgiving. But how many of you know that if your lives are dictated by your feelings, you're always going to live according to your flesh and not the things of the Spirit. Amen? God is inviting us to a new way of thinking, a new reality. Ask yourself, in light of all the sin for which I have been forgiven, can I not forgive somebody else? And see, if we dare to believe God and choose to forgive, our feelings will eventually follow those decisions. Choices lead, feelings follow. You need to write that down, amen? Choices lead and feelings follow. And the other reason we struggle with forgiveness, number four, we forget who the real enemy is. You think your enemy is named John Smith or Jane Thomas. Or Buddy Thompson, amen? People are not the enemy. The devil is the enemy, amen? Come on. When Jesus was looking down from the cross at the people that put him there, you know what he said? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know what he was doing? He was choosing to see them as tools in the hands of the enemy and not the enemy themselves you got to recognize people are not the enemy. That's one reason why as Christians, that's why last week when I was talking about love your enemies, that's why sometimes we really have a hard time of even admitting that we have enemies. We don't like to think that way. We don't like to put people in the category of enemy. That's a harsh. But you know what? We've got to understand. Those people are not your enemy. The devil is your enemy. Here's what the Scripture says in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. And I love that he inserted this part, the devil. Because <laughs> you know what? Some of us say, like, yeah, I'm watching out for my great enemy. I'm watching. See, yeah, got, got you. Now, he said, watch out for your great enemy. It ain't your wife. It ain't your ex-husband. It's not your boss. Come on, somebody. It's not the guy that stabbed you in the back. It's not the guy that owes you five grand. Amen. Come on. It's not the person that ripped you off. It's not the, come on. It's not the kid who broke into your house. It is the devil. It's the devil. Amen. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Why? He's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Amen. See, learning to love, (coughs) learning to love our enemies through the lens of forgiveness is something totally countercultural today. I talked about this a little bit last week. We live in the days of cancel culture, not forgiveness culture. You know what's so funny? I just preached about it last Sunday and this week, and I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan, uh, but I am a football fan. Aaron Rodgers made some political statements this week in an interview, and guess what happened the very next day? One of his business partners canceled him. (laughs) They canceled him. Because they didn't like what he had to say. It was about the vaccine or not the vaccine. I won't get into all that. Amen. Because I already told you, you do you, I'll do me. Amen. I think that we're all smart people. We can make decisions for ourselves. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. But you know what? They canceled him because they didn't like what he said. That's the culture of the day. Our way of thinking is certainly not God's way of thinking. We've got to walk out forgiveness. It will change our lives. And we have to understand, we can't live by the philosophies of this world. We can't walk according to the thinking of this world. 1 Corinthians 1.25, it says this, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. I love that first line. You know what it's saying? You on your best day is not anything like God on his worst day. I don't think God has any bad days. But if he does, it's that God's foolishness is still wiser than all of our wisdom. His weakness Is still stronger than our best human strength. So, how do we walk this out daily? In the message I preached last week, I gave you some good tips. Pray for the people who have offended you, bless people who have offended you, do good to people who have offended you. And, folks, hear me all of these things require a change in our thinking, it requires putting on the mind of Christ. And it's not that we're repaying evil things with good things, it's just that we are making a conscious decision that I am going to do good to others. And one of the first obstacles that some of you need to overcome to forgiveness is you got to learn to forgive yourself. Now, I know a lot of people who have no problem forgiving themselves and holding everybody else to another standard. Amen. How many of you, does anybody know anybody like that, amen? Are you married to something? No, don't don't answer that question, amen. No problem, but then you've got other people who can't forgive themselves. Every time you feel like you're making progress, the enemy starts playing back. I call it your low light reel, not your highlight reel. And it reminds you of all the sinful things you've done, all the terrible thoughts you have thought, all of the mean words you've said and peace and freedom begin to slip away every time your mind starts taking you down that path. And you think, man, I've done too much, I've said too much, I've thought too much for forgiveness to really be for me. And hear me, that happens all the time to believers, and the enemy likes to make you feel that way and try to keep you repenting over and over and over and over for things that God has already forgiven you for. And the enemy is a liar, Come on, you can't bury your past, but you don't have to keep reliving your past, amen. Don't keep uh, groveling over something that Christ has forgiven you for. Proverbs 28 and 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy, and if you have found mercy, I want to encourage you to walk in that mercy. Walk in that grace. Walk in that deliverance. you got to stop playing the if-only game. Well, if only I had not done that, or if only I had done this, if only I had said that, if only I had made this decision. Folks, we got to stop that. If only. Another thing we got to stop doing in order to walk in forgiveness, you got to stop blaming other people for your stuff. Well, they did this and they did that. No, no, no. you got to stop blaming others. This has happened and been happening since day one. Adam blamed Eve. <laughs> Eve blamed the devil. And we've all been doing it ever since. But we've got to take responsibility for our actions. We've got to repent of them. And then we move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. See, because the word of the Lord says that if we are in Christ, we are new People, you're new. You're not just duct taped, you're new. You're not just gorilla glued, you're new, amen. You're new, Second Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, it's gone. A new life has begun. And the devil keeps trying to throw up that old life to us, amen. You don't live in that house anymore, amen. That's not you. So we have to be able to forgive ourselves and accept the forgiveness of Christ in order to extend that to other people. Look at the Apostle Paul. He had a terrible past, but he understood that he was not that man anymore. And it allowed him to do what? Fulfill the will of God in his life. And by the way, write two-thirds of the New Testament for you and I to enjoy today. I want to ask the praise team and the musicians to come. Today as we close this service, I'd like the ushers and greeters to get the prayer cards. As we close this service, we're going to do something special here in this moment. For some of you, I want to encourage you to just ask the Lord to help you begin the process of forgiving others. For others, you need to actually let your past die today. Amen? And start thinking differently about forgiveness beginning with your own life. You say, man, I've done a whole lot of stuff. I've got good news for you. You're at the right place today. (laughs) You just have to say, Father... Forgive me. Jesus, I admit I blew it. I know I did wrong. I just ask you to forgive me. I've mentioned this verse just about every sermon in the last five or six weeks because the, the Lord has just put it on my heart. But, folks, you got to stop trying to earn your forgiveness. Forgiveness is something you receive, not something you earn. It's something that is given to you not something you earn. The price was paid by Jesus on the cross. Ephesians 2 and 8 says this, God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you've done, so none of us can boast about it. Why is that verse so important? Because if you think you can earn forgiveness from God, hear me, you're going to make other people earn forgiveness from you. Don't miss that. Some of you are hung up right here. This is where you're stuck. You think you have to earn Christ's forgiveness, which causes you to perpetuate that onto other people. Yeah, Michael, I know I'm supposed to forgive you, but... So you have to receive his forgiveness by repenting of your sins and accepting his forgiveness by faith. So today we're going to do something different. And If you're a member of this church, I'm going to ask you to. If you're a guest, I invite you to. You don't have to. But our ushers are handing out a prayer card. We printed enough. We want every person to take one of these cards. I want you to take one. I'd like everybody to stand with me. Please, if you will. We have two prayers that we're gonna pray together out loud. The reason I put them on a card is I want you to take these home with you. And some of you, you might need to just stick this in your Bible or in your purse or in your wallet, next to your iPhone, and every morning when you get it out, you might need to pray these prayers. But I wanna ask you to step out from where you are, if you would, we're gonna gather as a church family around this altar, I invite you to come and bring your card with you. We're gonna do something together as a body of believers. And by the way, you don't have to be a member. Just come on, amen. You're here. You're part of the family. Come on. I want you to come. I've got some prayers that we're going to pray together. Keep on coming. Keep on coming. Just press toward the front. The first one that we're going to pray is a prayer of forgiveness. It's the side that's kind of got pink and green. The other side is called a forgiveness declaration. We're going to do that in just a moment. I want you to be on this side, this card right here. It's a prayer of forgiveness that you can use to release someone that maybe you've been having a hard time forgiving. And again, I'm not saying this in jest. You may have to pray this prayer many, many, many times. You might have to insert their name or their names and pray for those that you need to forgive. And I encourage you to say it out loud, but we're gonna make it real easy for today. We're gonna to pray this prayer together. Is that all right? It's gonna be on the screen, but it's also on this card. So why don't we pray this prayer out loud together. Are you ready? Here we go. Lord, instead of loving, I have resented certain people, and I have unforgiveness in my heart. Forgive me for my sin of holding on to offense. I ask you, Lord, to give me the power to forgive those who have hurt me. I release them to you now. Give me the strength to pray for them, bless them, and want the best for them. Thank you for breaking these chains off of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Why don't we give him a praise for that right now? Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. In Jesus' name. God, I pray this prayer. Help me to do it, God. Help me to do it, God. Help me to live it out. Help me to live it out. Help me to live it out. In Jesus' name. And then the other prayer that I want us to pray, the orange card, it's a prayer that's based on Romans 12, 17 through 21. You're literally praying the Bible when you pray this prayer. I want us to read this prayer aloud together, and then we're going to pray as a body. Are you ready? Here it is. I do not repay evil for evil. I am careful to do what is right in the sight of everyone, in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on me, I will live at peace with everyone. I will not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath because God has promised he will handle it. On the contrary, if my enemy is hungry, I will feed him. If he is thirsty, I will give him something to drink. I will not overcome by evil, but I will overcome evil with good. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody. All over this house. All over this house right now. You might have somebody in your mind. Maybe it's been a tough journey, but I want you to begin to pray. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to forgive. Come on, some of you may have been abused. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was an ex-husband. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a father figure in your life. Maybe it was a relative or a friend or a neighbor. Come on, Father. I want to forgive them, God. Reconciliation may not be an option. Trust may not be, but I need to begin the journey of of forgiveness. God, help me. Come on, all over this house. All over this house right now. As the praise team begins to sing, I want you to just lift that petition to the Lord. Father, friend, forgive, them. forgive them. Help me to forgive them. Help me to forgive those who have offended me or hurt me or abused me or spitefully used me, God. Help me to forgive those who have wounded me, Lord.
1: Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.
0: Come on, that's it. Yes. you give yourself
1: away. You are a light up Mountain you are a
0: Yes, yes. The Lord's doing some work right now. Come on. The Holy Spirit is performing surgery on some of our hearts right now. That's it. Yes. Come on. God is reaching for you today. He's reaching for you today. I will not be held hostage any longer. I release them. I release them. I release them. I, release them. I forgive them, oh God.
1: give them, Lord. I release them, Lord, I release I them. I release them, Lord. I release them, Lord. I release them, Lord. I release them, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. I Lord, I forgive so him. Lord, I forgive him. Lord. Lord, I release the Lord, I release the Lord, I release the Lord. Today. We, thank you today. We, thank you today. we thank you today We thank you today We thank you Jesus We thank you, you. Thank you Jesus Thank you Jesus Thank you Jesus Thank you Jesus And And I don't deserve it Still you give yourself away
0: Yes, 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 yes. As we close this service here today, every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I know there's people in this room. There's people who are watching this message online. There's people that are listening to this podcast who've been deeply and greatly wounded. God, we don't diminish the offense. don't minimize the pain but father we simply ask you to help us to forgive so that we're no longer held hostage we're no longer in bondage help me God to be willing to forgive so that my lack of forgiveness doesn't become a root of bitterness in my life Lord help me to recognize that they're not the enemy but they've just been a tool of the enemy to beat me down and hold me back from my destiny. Father, I ask you right now to help us to live this journey so that we can be free. Help us to walk this walk so that we can be free. Help us, God, to not have to keep score and help all this bondage and baggage that holds us back. Set us free, Jesus' name. And if that's your prayer and if that's your belief, I want you to give God a praise right now. Come on. Praise him as if it's already happened. Amen. Yes. Yes, God. God, I give you glory. I give you praise. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my freedom. Thank you for my freedom, God. Thank you for my freedom. Thank you for my freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. I will not be overcome by evil, but I will overcome evil with good. Amen. I pray pray that you can live this out, that you can walk this out. Listen, can I just tell you, forgiveness is a process. Sometimes it's three steps forward and two steps back. Sometimes it's I fall down on my face and I just get back up and got to do it again. You just live it out. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will help you. Amen. Why don't you give somebody a hug and tell them you love them? Tell them you're thankful that God's forgiven you. Amen. And you are dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a great day. Amen. This channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.